Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Welcome to The Rest is History, our very first on-location recording in Tom Holland. With our unerring eye for glamour, <laughs> we have chosen this <laughs> fantastic spot. It's literally a roundabout. Yeah, we're in the middle of a roundabout, but it's a it's a distinguished roundabout because it's um, Trafalgar Square. Um, it's at, you can hear the police going yeah, it's by. Great you're Some, shouting over the siren. Yeah. That's how I like to think we'll uh, confirming we'll your this darkest podcast. suspicions of London. <laughs> um, so we're, we're, we're in. We're, we're standing beneath the statue of. Charles I, which is London's oldest bronze statue. It is. Um, and is, in fact, the, the centre of London, isn't it? Because this is where the Eleanor Cross used to stand. Yeah. The, so the cross was taken down in 1647. Uh, so these were the crosses put up by Edward I in memory of his, his wife, wife, Eleanor of Castile. Yeah. And on, that, on this spot, we have this bronze statue of Charles I, which went up in 1633, so during his lifetime. So this isn't a statue commemorating someone who's dead, unlike most of the statues that we're going to be talking about today, because that's what we're doing, isn't it? We're talking statues. So that's why we've come here. So obviously Trafalgar Square, got Charles I, but we've also got Nelson. We've got a load of uh, generals who Ken Livingston famously didn't know who they were and wanted to take them down. Um, And uh, and then we may go down and look Parliament Square and look at the statues there as well. Statues, obviously, a very um, hot button issue. So um, I think this is a perfect place to do our first on-the-spot broadcast. And the question, Tom, keep or, keep or cancel? I think we should ask keep, keep or, or cancel. cancel. Yes, okay. So should we focus on, Ch- on Charles I? Yeah, because like art collector. Because as you say, I mean, this was not intended to go up in a public space. So this was for a, a private garden. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't know so, that. so it was one of Charles I's kind of big, big supporters. Um, and then obviously the Civil War happened and Charles I had his head chopped off just down the road, actually, just down yeah, towards the Whitehall. Irony. Um, and so Parliament ordered this to be destroyed, but it got, it got hidden. And then with the restoration in 1660, it went straight back up. Yeah. Um, and Would it you... got put in this place, I think, 1675 or something. Yeah. Something and like looking, that. looking weirdly, looking down at the spot of his own death. Yes. Which is a sort of strange. And also, of course, looking down towards Parliament where there is a statue of Oliver Cromwell. Yeah. It's great that they're facing each other, isn't it? It is. And obviously we're going to be talking about whether, you know, whether it's right that statues of certain people should be up in. Yes. I've always felt that having a statue of Charles I at one end of Whitehall, the great avenue, the artery of power in London, um, and a statue of Cromwell at the other is kind of the perfect compromise. It's the perfect way to memorialize the civil war. It's the physical embodiment of our podcast that said everything was 17th century, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, it is. That's what it is. It is. So come on, Tom, would you get rid? Would you keep? Oh, I'd definitely keep it. Yeah, I'd definitely keep it. You'd have to keep Cromwell as well. Well, we'll come to that. We will come to that because that's a bit more controversial. But um, I think also Charles I is a great one to start with because, as you said, it's 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 the oldest statue here, really, and it focuses the question on why do statues exist? So the whole debate about you know what statues should we have? Should we have statues at all? It's not a given that statues stand for the Middle Ages, 16th century. They didn't have statues like this. So why do they suddenly appear? Okay. And, and then going into the 19th century, into the 20th century, why is there a sudden glut? And I think that probably the best way to answer that is to go and look at 
another statue in Trafalgar Square, which is a statue of um, Charles' son, James II, which stands in front of the National Gallery and is a good deal less noisy. So let's go there. Okay. So, Tom, we're approaching this next statue, which is one you're very keen on because I think it's going to fit your thesis, isn't it? <laughs> it does, which is why I wanted because to, it to looks, bring you here. I mean, the, as I approach, it's a, what is it, a Roman? Well, it's, so it's James II. Okay. Um, son of Charles I. Yes. Younger brother famously, of Charles II. Famously kicked out in the Glorious yeah. Revolution of 1688. So this is Grinling Gibbons, uh, put up in 1686, two years before he got kicked out. So he's only been king for a year. It's, it's, it's not a memorial to, uh, to, to a great king. But he's, as you say, dressed in, in Roman armor. He's got a cloak. He's got a cuirass. He's got the little thigh boots. Um, yeah. And it, it focuses attention on the roots of this sudden mania for putting up statues. Because until this point, you're not putting up statues of kings. Right. Which is why there aren't statues of Edward IV or Richard III or... There is supposedly... So there is supposedly an older statue, which is that of King Alfred, which is said to have been sculpted in the reign of Richard II, okay. um, put up in Westminster and then moved to Southwark. But actually, it's pretty clear it's Victorian. Okay. I think there's a portrait bust of Elizabeth I on St. Dunstan's on Fleet Street. But aside from that, it's really here that it begins. Charles and, and James, yeah. And the fact that he's in Roman dress shows that, that what's going on here is an attempt to, to ape and mimic yeah, Roman styles. Yeah. And it's, it's in Greece and Rome that you put up statues of emperors, obviously, but also great men. Yeah. Because it's the best way to memorialize them. You don't have photographs. You don't have... Um, other ways of, of preserving their memory. So you put the statues up. Why are there no statues in, in the Middle Ages? Because the they've fallen out of habit with the fall of the Roman Empire, but also with the, and you will know what I'm about to say. It's Christianity. The, the coming of Christianity. Yep. So there, there, there is, Christianity brings a deep anxiety about graven images. So you will right. get, you will statues obviously, of saints. you will get statues of saints and you'll get statues of biblical kings. And on tombs, of course, you get images of, yeah, of kings and of knights and of effigies. But you don't get standalone statues like this. And, and really, this is an importation from, the, from Renaissance Italy. But is it also, I mean, he's famously an absolutist, an admirer of European absolutism. So putting up the statue is quite a strong symbol, isn't it? Of, uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Roman emperor. I'm yes. you know, going to be an absolute. And I mean, the inscriptions in Latin, Jacobus Secundus Dei Gratia, by the grace of God, King of, King of, of England, England, Scotland, France. France. He's still claiming Ireland. France at this stage, yeah. which I like. And uh, Fidier, defensor, defender, defender of the, the faith, faith, even though he's Catholic. Um, yeah, well, so there's a, I mean, he there's could a, claim that he could justifiably yeah. claim that and nobody else could because it was yeah. a title awarded to Henry VIII when he was a Catholic. So, so essentially, the, the tradition of putting up statues is a culturally contingent one yeah. that is bred of renaissance and then early modern responses to the roman heritage yeah okay and it that. exists in tension with the older christian suspicion of graven images but, but and tom, i think that that is something that we see right the way up to the present day but tom here's the thing we were talking about the keep or cancel i mean he's somebody who was cancelled he was I mean, cancelled he was he's kicked out of the country and this actually got taken down i did okay yeah, that's what did. i was going to ask and yeah. that, so when did it come back up do you know I think it got taken down on the orders of William, and then I think William gave it, said, fine, put it back up again. Um, essentially because, of course, this is in the context of the execution of Charles I and the abolition of the monarchy. Yeah. So there's a nervousness about cancelling a king. 
Okay. And I think that's also the other thing is that, that in the 17th century, when you're putting up statues of, of kings, you're also putting up images of the idea of monarchy yeah. and of the idea of the kingdom that he's ruling. So that's yeah. the list of all the kingdoms that you get on the base of the statue. This yeah. is an image, not just of James, but of the imperial power of the British monarchy. But here's the thing, Tom. A big theme that runs through this whole statue debate is, you know, you're commemorating people, you're enshrining them, you're indoctrinating the public in, you know, in what they represent. And we've been standing here now for what, four minutes or something. And, you know, quite a few people, it's quieter than usual, but quite a few people have walked past. They, they've looked at us and thought, who are these freaks in <laughs> yeah. holding microphones and talking to each other? But nobody has looked at that statue. I no. mean, it's just, a, to most people, it's just a piece of decorative art, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Uh, that's, and that, that, of course, is the issue for Ken Livingstone, who yeah. I think in 2000, when he was mayor of London, he wanted to, raise wanted to get the, rid yeah. of, of, of two other statues. Well, in, we'll come down to them, because I love those statues. Yes. But also, I think while we're on the theme of, of Romans yeah. and aping Rome, it would be obvious to look at the most, most obvious Roman monument in Trafalgar Square, which is the triumphal column, which is surmounted by, uh, by Nelson. Yes. Because okay. the, the, the idea of erecting a, a, a massive phallic column <laughs> to victory is a paradigmatically Roman one. Yeah. And yeah. The debate over, over Nelson, so I think Afua Hirsch recently suggested that, that Nelson should fall. Um, they're obviously kind of, you know, this is an ancient debate. So this, in Rome, you have Trajan's column, which is erected to celebrate Trajan's victories over the Dacians and was surmounted by a statue of Trajan. That, that, um, that statue kept, kind of vanished, came down some point in, in the Middle Ages and was replaced by a statue of St. Peter. And the, the current debate about whether we should pull down the statues, say, of imperial generals and yeah. replace them with somebody more in tune with the spirit of the age, it's, it's, it's a replication of what happened with Trajan so and St. An Peter. It's an old debate. Uh, yeah, so it's an old, it's an old so debate. So do you want to do Nelson next or do you want to do the intervening statues? What should we do? Let's go and look at Nelson and then look at the, uh, okay. uh, the, the, the ones who flank him. So the Nelson one, we can probably carry on talking as we walk towards it. So the Nelson one... Um, it's much later, actually, than I thought. So it's 1840s. Um, it's, it's, so it's not put up in the immediate aftermath of his death. I think the Duke of Wellington backed an appeal. So there was, like a lot of these statues, there was a big sort of public subscription. And, um, and yeah, the irony is, of course, he's on this statue and he's towering over it. But he, Nelson was a very short man. So this is a, you could argue it's a sort of massive act of compensation. Because <laughs> um, I think he was five foot six. And apparently he's not wearing his eye patch on the top. Is he not? But his arm is missing. Yeah, but his arm is missing, exactly. So, Tom, I mean, most of our listeners will probably already know that for, for British listeners anyway, Nelson is one of the absolute titanic figures. He's the hero of Trafalgar. Certainly, I was brought up as a boy thinking well, that Nelson was one of the absolutely untouchable, heroic figures of British history. Well, it's Trafalgar Square. So it, it, it's put up in the aftermath of his death at the Battle of Trafalgar, which essentially ensures that France can't invade yeah. um, Britain and establishes the supremacy of the Royal Navy for, you know, a century and more. Yeah. So it's, in that sense, it's different to the statues of Charles I and James II, because this is consciously a monument to victory. Yeah, it's a monument and to British greatness. Yeah, it is, exactly. exactly. And again, and that's, you know, that, that is very, very powerfully in the Roman tradition. And I guess that that's what now makes 
people slightly uncomfortable. But then people... the Statue of Nelson is also different from the first two we talked about, and it is, you know, people queue up to have their they they, they have their photos taken on the steps, don't they? I mean, maybe not because they love Nelson and but straddling because the lions, but because they're aware of it as a sort of icon of Britishness. Yes. Um, so I think am I not right in thinking that uh, at the Olympic opening ceremony? when Daniel Craig and the Queen fly past in a helicopter, they fly past Nelson, and I can't remember what he did. He sort of looks up at them or raises kind of, his hat or does he? gives a little wink or something. The, uh, and the, um, there are kind of bronze images that attach to the base of the column. Scenes from the battle. Scenes, Scenes from, from, his from his four battles, yeah. Yeah. made from um, melted iron of French cannon. And the one on the, the side facing towards Whitehall is a Trafalgar, and it shows one of the people firing a gun is a a black sailor, a man yeah. whose name was, well, I've got, I've got it written down, his name was George Ryan, age 23, shooting a musket. Really? So it's sort of a, there's a bit of nice multiculturalism there. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, maybe that'll preserve it. But of course, Nelson is now controversial because people argue about him, his relationship to slavery. Yes. There's this letter where he's supposedly defending slaving interests, which I think the consensus now seems to be the letter is a forgery. Yeah. And it's forged after his death by anti-abolitionists who wanted to claim Nelson's support for their for their cause, though the jury is still slightly out on that. But um, yes, if you want to, I mean, Nelson is one of the I, two people that, if you want to be very iconoclastic, you say tear Churchill down and tear Nelson down. And and, and the Nelson thing, you know, lots of people, including me, um, got very sort of excited about that, hot under the collar, because Nelson is seen as synonymous with Britain and Britishness and British pride and all. Well, this he's stuff. he's but he's also um, he's. A kind of dashing, flamboyant character. Yeah. So he has all kinds of shenanigans with Emma Hamilton. Suffered very badly from diarrhoea, Nelson. <laughs> Thank you, Dominic, for, <laughs> for someone who's supposed to be batting for the yeah, British yeah. heroes. I forgot what side I'm on, sorry. Yeah. Get back on side. Um, yeah, he's such a, he's a very charismatic figure, Nelson. Very charismatic figure. So I mean, he's actually not quite Churchillian in that he had colossal flaws. Um, but, but people loved him for his flaws, I think. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. So you wouldn't and, take and, Nelson down, would you? I mean, come on. I wouldn't take Nelson down because I think that um, <laughs> I think that that for as long as the French have the Arc de Triomphe, yeah, we've got to have. We Nelson. have the right to have Nelson's column. When they take Arc de Triomphe down, we'll maybe think about. And also, as, I mean, it's kind of um, disarming. I think Hitler was planning to if he occupied Britain, he was planning to take Nelson's column to Berlin as a kind of victory totem. Oh, that would have been awful. And so the in, lions. So in the, a way, the uh, lions are symbols of Britishness, aren't they? I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a symbol of, you know, uh, of a battle that saved Britain from, yeah. from what I think would have been a fairly unpleasant uh, occupation. Gallic so, occupation. No one would want that. No one would want that. So uh, I'm in favour of keeping him. Let's keep him. Very good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. All right, Tom. So what next? What do you got next? So, so famously, Trafalgar Square has four plinths. Uh, one of them is occupied by a king. So like Charles I, like James II, and that is... George IV, who is almost universally recognised to have been one of the, our worst kings. I've got some good facts about George IV, especially for this podcast. Do you want to give them? I do. Um, he was very do you know what he had for breakfast? A lot. The Duke of Wellington wrote that in 1830 he had for breakfast a pigeon and beef steak pie, three parts of a bottle of Moselle, a glass of dry champagne, two glasses of port, and a glass of brandy, followed by a large dose of laudanum. I think... Don't you think that's the kind of breakfast that needs to be memorialised in uh, our... Yeah, I mean, I admire him. But the other thing is, he was so fat, he weighed 20 stone. I mean, that man on that horse is not 20 stone. And did, he ended up thinking that he'd led the charge at Waterloo or something. I think he'd gone completely mad at the yeah. end. But he was so... So David Wilkie said he was so he was so obese, he looked like, quote, a great sausage stuffed <laughs> into the covering. 
Well, I think he doesn't look like that, does he? So, I mean, a completely worthless king. Yeah. Um, but, but actually, you know what? What's great king, is that we've got we've done three pretty worthless kings. Yeah, they're all, I mean, really useless kings. I mean, that's why I think... The Two of them, one of them got <laughs> executed, one of them got driven into exile, and one of them ended up looking like a, <laughs> a sausage. sausage meat. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I think only, maybe only in Britain, I don't know, would we have <laughs> three, such three worthless awful kings. kings memorialized in our sort of most famous square? So yeah, George IV, uh, uh, the producer is saying, tell everybody his dates, and I think we should. Um, <laughs> so Dominic, Tom, what are his dates? <laughs> So he's early 19th century, isn't he? He's the regent. Um, he's the regent for George III when Dominic, he goes mad. When does he die? Um, he dies in 18... Uh, something like that. <laughs> something, like, I think something like that. Ted yeah. Valance we had on to talk about Magna Carta and he didn't know King John's date, so I think I can be excused not knowing... <laughs> right, so that's George the Fourth done with with impressive scholarship and learning. Yeah, I mean, I think um, people are getting a lot from this podcast. And then we've got we've got two generals that will come to, you, and then we've got the fourth blinch, which has famously has been kept empty. Okay, so um, the two generals, Ken Livingston, when he was mayor of London, said, "Let's tear them down. No one knows who they are. They're not relevant." That was but his as claim. I remember, he wanted he wanted to bring them down not because they were um, imperialists, but because he didn't know who who they were. Yeah, they but, were, so he said, "Oh, they could just ghastly old generals." So this one. Charles James Napier. I'm almost tempted to ask the producer if he knows anything about it. He's shaking his head. Um, he's Jack, got do you a know magnificent who Charles nose. James Napier was? No. He's got a really good, he's got a Wellington style nose. He does. He looks very impressive. He's got a nice sword. Great boots. So he is the man who conquered Sindh in what's Pakistan um, in the 1840s. I have sinned, which in yes. Latin is peccavi, so which he's he supposed to have sent, but he didn't because it was a joking punch. Yeah, but it's How a great they story that they sent this message home, yes. peccavi, I have sinned, uh, but he didn't. It's so disappointing. But he was also, he was a war hero in uh, Peninsula War, I think. Yeah, before so, that. That's right. Um, but he was, he did not deny that the conquest of sinned. Yeah. So it's erected by public subscription. The, the most numerous contributors being private soldiers. Isn't that touching? Very touching. But he didn't deny that he they had the conquest of Sindh had been a a rascally business. A rascally business. Yeah. He said, "Our objects in conquering India, the object of all our cruelties." Do you know what it was? Uh, money. Money. Money yeah. is what he says. Yeah. Every shilling of this has been picked out of blood, wiped, and put into the murderer's pocket. And I we think shall also... yet suffer for the crime as sure as there is a God in heaven. Yes, uh, and he um, he also um, uh, he kind of basically foretold the. Um, the rebellion, the, the rebellion of eighteen fifty-seven, yeah, yeah. Um, and and worried that British officers and Indian officers weren't kind of mixing. Yeah. So in a way, I, I mean, Very to the prescient. degree that to the degree that Victorian generals awoke, he's a woke Victorian general. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say? I, well, he sort of has his cake and eats it, doesn't he? I mean, <laughs> he, he conquers goes, it, but conquers says it, it's a kills crime. Everybody and takes all the money and then says, <laughs> "Oh, I'm actually a very kind person. I feel really bad about it." But isn't that Britain generally? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's us generally. It's a nation, it's a so, would would you cancel him or? Well, I wouldn't cancel him. I mean, I wouldn't cancel anybody. Well, I might cancel someone when we get later on. Right, I've got a few up my sleeve. I might cancel <laughs> just to annoy the listeners. Um, I, I I dread I, to I, think. Would you keep him? Would you? I mean, you're you're more woke than I am, so maybe you would. Uh, I'm not massively woke. I. Would you like to see well, a crane so, pulling him down? The truth, a the truth cheering is, mob. The truth is, I I don't really care. I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. I'm I'm in I'm inherently quite conservative. Yeah. In that I don't like. I don't like repainting our sitting room, whereas my wife is always repainting the sitting room. That's exactly and whenever the she, analogy that you should be So whenever for. she does it, I always think, yeah, that's brilliant. It's worth the hassle. Right. 
but left to me, I wouldn't do it. So, so, think, so left to me, I wouldn't do it. But, I, but if, they, if they want, you know, if, if they came up with some amazing new scheme, I'm sure I'd be happy. However, having said that, two, two things against that. One is this thing, it's erected by public subscription. Yeah. So I do kind of think that if... Soldiers. If something's been erected by public subscription, in a way you kind of have a, a duty to honor that. I also think that he... I, I mean, he... It's a, it, like a building... It's it's a it exactly. it reminds you of a particular I, moment I in history, completely. and also, I'm not confident in our ability to replace it with something better. Yeah. And and the reason for that is that I look at the fourth plinth, which has been kept empty for long, and now is put up for public subscription. And there's a a kind of melting ice cream and a a, a fly and a cherry yeah. and things. It's not great, is it? And well, I mean, it would it, the idea of putting up something kind of edgy w was you know. I mean, it was edgy the first time, yeah, but it, agreed, we, it, it just goes round and round. And so now it's very conventional. So in a way, the, 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 the edgiest thing that you could do would perhaps be to put up a statue of another general, another general <laughs> or an admiral or something. Yeah, um, that would be a brave statement. So right, I think we should take a break. Yes. And then let's return to this issue as we walk to the other okay. um, Victorian general. Okay. All right. See you after the break. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up is never a good idea. It can have terrible consequences. For instance, look at all the conflicts throughout history. I wonder how many of them could have been solved if they just talked things out. And Tom, I have a confession for our listeners. As you know, I've been really struggling with anxiety about the massive series that we've got coming on The Rest is History, all the prep we have to do for that series on the French Revolution, the First World War. I mean, it's all mounting up, isn't it? And when we talked it out, I felt so much better now that I got all those crippling anxieties and insecurities off my chest. If you want to talk, you can always talk to me. But if not, then I highly recommend therapy. It can help you learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It empowers you, Dominic, to be the best version of yourself. If you want to give therapy a try, why not check out BetterHelp? It's entirely online, it's convenient and flexible, and it's really easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rest is history today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rest is history. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. 
He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is History. Uh, we are talking statues. We're here in Trafalgar Square. And we have moved on to Ken Livingston's second target, as it was 20 years ago, Major General Sir Henry Havelock. KCB. KCB. And his, bra- and, his, and his brave companions in arms during the campaign in India, 1857. So this is during the rebellion that you were talking about, yeah. which used to be called the Indian Mutiny. And it, there's a nice um, quote from Havelock. Soldiers. Your labors, your privations, your sufferings, and your valor will not be forgotten by a grateful country. And again, erected by public subscription. So, so again, you know, you could, to me, Tom, this spot that we're on is a piece of Victorian Britain. We're, you know, this is, you, you get a sense by being here, which you wouldn't get if it were removed, of the sensibility of the age. You do. Um, and Havelock was... Um, a, a morally serious figure. So he was um, a, a Baptist who made all his soldiers do Bible classes um, and performed heroically in the campaign in India. Uh, I think ended up dying in Lucknow. He died yeah. of dysentery. He died of dysentery. So again, yeah. you're yeah. returning theme to in history. the flow of yeah, the flow, the flow exactly. of shit, which is a... Um, but Tommy, obviously now the Indian mutiny, as it was once called the rebellion, is now itself very controversial. Right. right. So, so this is the tension. So it's, as you say, erected by public subscription. It absolutely, this is in a way a kind of, a, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of news archive. It's news footage yeah. from, the, from the 19th century. We, d- we don't have anything comparable to that. So if you want to have a feeling of that, of what it was like in the middle of, of the, the Victorian period, this is a place to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, our producer but, was saying to me, it's not relevant. But I mean, you make that case about any historic artifact, I, I would argue, or historic building, that they're not, in inverted commas, relevant. I mean, clearly it's not relevant, but that's, to me, the, what's valuable about it. There is a, so there are two counter-arguments to, um, to, to keeping it. One is that we have taken statues down from Trafalgar Square before. So you know who, who was here in the 19th century but got removed? Is, um, Ed, is Edward Jenner. <laughs> so well, we've kept the we've kept the generals but yeah. we've removed the guy who pushed yeah. for vaccinations so why was I, he taken I, down i think he was taken down um kind no of late cares. 19th century right so okay. i'd actually be all in favor of replacing sir henry havelock well, sure Mo- you could moving put, henry i think i think jenner got moved to fourth bent i think fourth bent yeah well well i would i think that it would be nice to bring jenner back particularly after the past year and put him back in, in Trafalgar Square. I'd be in favour of that. And the other issue is that um, when this got put up, there were there, there were no people really from India in Britain. Yeah. So um, this was a, a us and them situation in the mid nineteenth century. 
that's that's not the case. And if there are, are people of Indian descent who are who are Londoners, who are British, who are walking past, who find this upsetting, then yeah. I don't think it's worth keeping him. But when you get down to when you get down to Parliament Square, you're going to be making that same argument about Cromwell and all the Irish people in Britain. Well, we'll come to which that. which is what people made in the 19th century. We'll we'll, we'll come to that. But okay. I think that um, it's I think I, I mean I think it's not for, it's not for me to say. I again I I don't really care. Well, if you're going to um, take him down, it's definitely not for you to say. I mean, I think we can agree about that. Well, I would take him down and replace him with Jenna. Okay. Would be mine. So I'm going to cancel him. Well. Um, but you're, you're not. <laughs> okay. I, put, I put Jenna on the fourth plinth. I'm sick of the modern art on the fourth plinth. I'm, I'm, sick, of I, I, I'm sick of the modern art. It's not, it's, it's not clever and it's not grown up. Yeah. Um, now, let's walk over to, there's an interesting statue here over this side. Which I you might see, cancel. Okay, can I, okay, so a controversial uh, yeah. who I think should go on the fourth plinth, an equestrian statue of Elizabeth II. Oh, he's such a monarchist. No. Are you hoping for, does the Queen listen? No, Are you hoping no, for no, recognition? But, no, but I think that it would be in tune with the traditions of the square. Okay. Because this is... Uh, what about Prince Philip? Uh, no, because he's not know, king. Make up for his disappointments he, in the World Cup of Pots. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Um, no, I think, I think it's... Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's so Tom Holland here. It's meant for an equestrian <laughs> statue. Let, let's put a let's put a let's put a, a monarch up. So Tom That's Holland, what it's for. decorated for. Um, but I'm only I'm only saying that services to royal podcasting. I'm saying that to be edgy. Is that edgy? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that it's the edgiest edgy? thing you can say. Um, and it would be. And yeah, it would, it would be the first one. Exactly, it would be the first one. I beat you to it. So we've got three busts here where there's someone doing some drilling. <laughs> So we probably shouldn't go too so close. It's so a these of admirals. Are, those are admirals. These are World admirals. War um, admirals. So Jellicoe and Beatty, who actually hated each other uh, from World War One, and then Admiral Cunningham from World War Two. Do you know, do you know a fact about General Cunningham's bust? He, can, is he the one who was called Mary? I didn't know that, but yeah, that's a very called, good fact. And so he had a bust as well. He was called uh, Mary and he had a bust. <laughs> yeah. So well, we should definitely keep him in then. this bust of uh, Admiral Cunningham. There is an empty bottle of Guinness. Drunk by the sculptor, and used as a sort of centerpiece of the um, of the bus. Now, obviously, nobody would cancel them, presumably. I mean, they they helped to win the world wars. Surely, you wouldn't get rid of them, would you, Tom? No, I keep them. And actually, there's a man drilling, so we can't say any more about them because um, we don't want the drilling to over overpower your dulcet tones. So, and also, it's nice to have someone called Mary. Yeah. So there's your there's your female um, yeah components of the square. Okay, so um, we. I'm now heading back up to um, the National Gallery, and <laughs> we're going to look at someone who I suspect, Dominic, you do think should be cancelled. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> there's, there's two things I really, as you know, Tom, I'm a very passionate um, anti-slavery person, and also I'm very passionate about people paying their taxes. Yes. So any sort of tax dodger. Tax, tax, do tax, tax dodging slave owner. Right, I think would think absolutely not belong here. And as, especially if they dress up with a symbol of Italian fascism, which would be awful. And, here and so, 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 so a slave-owning, tax-dodging person <laughs> with a symbol of fascism. Yeah. And here we are in front of... Now, Tom, who's this? It's George Washington. It is. Presented to the people of Great Britain and Ireland by the Commonwealth of Virginia, 1921. So here's George Washington. So this is clearly a gift, I think, post-World War I. You know, we fought together in World War I. Yeah. The Commonwealth of Virginia has given this copy of the original, which is one of the most famous statues 
of Washington, which I think stands in the Virginia State House. Um, it's a nice symbol of Anglo-American amity. Would you keep or, or get rid? So Washington's coming down in America. That's the thing. A lot of Americans are getting rid of Washington. Isn't, um, isn't the story that it's, it's American soil? Apparently, because he over. said he would never he, he, set foot again on the soil of London. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Um, um, so, yes, there's a claim that he's actually on American soil. Again, I have no strong feelings. Um, uh, tell me about the, um, the rods, it, uh, it the, 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 the Fasques. The Fasques. So those are the, the symbols um, borne by the lictors, who are the, the bodyguards of the Roman magistrates, which then got used um, by, uh, by Mussolini as the symbol of um, his movement at much the same time as, um, as this statue was donated. But this, what's nice about this, though, Tom, is it completes the loop doesn't it, with the, the Roman yeah, connotations yeah, of yeah. Charles and James. Um, yes, and, it, and, and, it's, and it's a reminder, of the, actually, of the fact that George Washington was, um, was born a, a British subject. Yes. Um, so in a way, you know, he does rank as a, a great Briton, I guess. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't really get rid of him because I think it's magnanimous of us to have him. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> I think it is. Yes, it is. It's, yeah, a tribute to our sporting ability to accept We're a very, defeat. Yeah, sports, good, good sportsmanship. <laughs> yes. Now, we haven't had any women other than your references to your, your putative statue of the Queen, uh, your knighthood statue, as I, <laughs> as I call it. So I think if we go around the corner, there's a very good um, statue of a woman and one that I don't think anyone in their right mind would want to. Well, although I, having said that, a columnist in The Guardian, Gary Young, wrote a very passionately argued long essay arguing that all statues, you should be consistent and you should get rid of all statues. What did you make of that? I thought it was a brilliant essay and I thought his argument that every statue should be brought down. Um, so he listed people he didn't approve of and then he listed people he did approve of and he said that they should all come down. Yeah, um, he just didn't believe in statues in, in, in memorialising people in stone as a sort of oppressive you know, reminder of Well, history. essentially, I mean, he, it, it, was, it was an anxiety about graven images um, serving uh, the, the graven images threatened the moral health of the people yeah and that's a very old theme <laughs> and a gift was, to you and a gift I, to you you must was, have been delighted when you I saw that i was so excited because essentially it's 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 protestantism redux it's it's the reformation at its most passionate and uh, absolutist um and i i thought you know it it had the massive benefit of being consistent and brutally honest. But as and, and it did recognize the fact that statues are not a given, that it's perfectly possible but, to have cities without statues. But Tom, as people said, you know, you're going to have a hard job persuading, you know, Stoke City supporters to get rid of the statue of Stanley Matthews. Or my team, Wolves, we have statues of Stan Cullis, Billy Wright, and Sir Jack Hayward, which mean a lot to, I mean, to Wolves fans, they're a symbol of our... They're idolatry. <laughs> well, we're not worshipping them. Yeah, you kind of, kind of are. Well, and also, maybe, maybe. and also, the fact that that anyone, you know, the whole argument about statues is, well, they were people of their time. Yeah. So even Stanley Matthews probably had not entirely constructed views about <laughs> gender relations yeah. or, ah, course, everybody did. or whatever. Everybody so, did. So I mean, you'll always be able to find a definition. reason. I mean, this is probably Gary Young's anxiety that by definition. Everybody who in the past will be will be wrong, right? But that's why it's fundamentally theological, because essentially he's saying that all human beings are fallen, yeah. and therefore you shouldn't make idols of them. That would make us unique, of course, in the Western world, in not having statues if we did get rid of all our statues. And obviously we were not going to. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. But 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 as an argument, it was kind of uh, so. Tom, bracing. Uh, we are now here 
probably the last statue of this bit of the podcast, do you think? Um, and this is Edith Cavell. So this is the nurse who was shot at dawn on October the 12th, 1915, um, by the Germans. Uh, she had been helping Allied servicemen trapped behind the enemy lines in the Western Front to escape. She was shot, um, I, th I think, for as a traitor. As an, uh, she'd been a nurse, a Red Cross nurse, and she had sort of dishonored her calling in the Germans' eyes by working with the Allies. There was a huge international scandal. The Americans begged her not to do it. She had the, There's all kinds of state memorials in, in Britain. Um, and what I also like, I mean, it's a very sort of progressive memorial in a way, because you've got this statue of her looking like a sort of Mary Poppins-ish figure, and words like humanity and cool, sacrifice. Cool, the midwife vibe. Very cool, the midwife, actually. Yeah. But then you have the utter contradiction of the two inscriptions. Yes. So at the bottom it says, um, her famous quote, which she says before she dies, patriotism is not enough. I must have no hatred or bitterness for anyone. And then at the top, Tom? For king and country. Patriotism is not enough. Yeah. So the two are slightly at odds with each other, aren't they? Maybe, I mean, maybe that's... That's the solution with statues, is to put two totally conflicting messages. Yeah, maybe. So, which, in a way, is, you know, it's the pairing of Charles I and, and Cromwell again. It's yes, I suppose that, so. That maybe you have to accept that no one statue can is sufficient to, to embody an entire message, that it can only exist in, in tension with something but else. Statues always have multiple meanings, don't they? I mean, they can have. So those statues are Napier and Havelock. I mean, you could see them as memorials of what Britain did wrong if they were that way inclined, couldn't you? You could see Absolutely, them as yes. emblems of sin. You don't have to see them as emblems of sainthood. I mean, obviously, Edith Cavell, she's a saint here, right? Yeah. And she's the only person, I think, in this, apart from possibly Charles I, although only subsequently after his death, but she's the only person who's here because she's a martyr, a victim. The others are people who, you know, generally killed other people, whereas she's here because she was shot. Yeah. So, and actually, well, and so this is quite a Christian statue. It, it, it is. Um, and I think that um, when we go on to do our, our second episode, when we will go down Whitehall, get to um, Parliament Square, of course, on Parliament Square, you also have Westminster Abbey. And Westminster Abbey has 10 statues to martyrs there, yeah. which, again, kind of provides a, maybe a counterpoint to the, the braggadocio of the, the statues that you get there. So, okay. Well, that's yeah, a good note on which to end, yeah. I think. I don't think we've... Um, we're not well, going to cancel Edith Cavell, are we? No, we're not going to cancel her. I think, her. did we agree with cancel George Washington? <laughs> no, uh, I think yeah. we agreed to spare him. Uh, um, well, I think if they, if they decide to cancel him in America, I think we should. I think that I would. Think so. No, yeah. I think... Uh, oh, you think yeah, hold out against Americanization? It'd be, be good for tourism, actually, wouldn't it? All the George <laughs> yes. Washington vans would come over here. Anyway, on that note, I, I mean, on that incredibly powerful and insightful <laughs> note, um, I think we should... Um, Call it a day, and we will return in our next podcast with more um, statues. More statues. Yeah, more statue mongering. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, please sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com.